0: Welcome back to ministry Administrative, the podcast where we just fuck around for way too long before recordings. This is Brent. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Peyton. <laughs> that, was like a, that was like a a little rascals kind of a <laughs> And I'm Peyton. And I'm Peyton. Oh gosh. So we we have <laughs> Jason, stop laughing.
1: No, you guys tired so me too a, much. Oh. <laughs> I think I might be crying, I'm not sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're in a very silly mood. Um, oh God! It may have been a mistake getting all three of us together on the same podcast because it's it, just—it's honestly like behind the scenes, it's just absolute three stoogery. It's wonderful. I'd say I'm probably a shemp, and Chris is Peyton is probably like a like a mo because he's he's oh, yeah. the harshest on on Jathan and Jason. Jathan's definitely curly. <laughs> Jathan's absolutely a curly. So <laughs> Exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So we have a lot to talk about tonight, so we should actually get into it, because our episodes are fucking long enough already. There's been there's been like three separate events over this the past three days or whatever that have just been like mind blowing from a security standpoint. And you know us, we we obsess about security but because it's it's probably like a good seventy percent of our job, right? So we have to keep our, our eyes and, and ears Open, but boy, let me tell you. Um, so this is the also the first episode where we're, we'll be implementing fixed segments. We'll start off with news with paid in and then we'll talk sort of like open into general discussion with all three of us. Then we'll go to to J-thon for some contests, and then do our outro. And then obviously we're all here for the intro as well. So we're seeing how that works out. Hopefully, you guys, the listeners like it. I I think this will help us avoid stepping on each other's toes too much cuz it was it was easy with me and Jaython cuz I just talked the entire time and and Jaython hardly ever talked. But hopefully that'll that'll change and uh and we'll get some input from all three of us. So with that, I'd like to switch over to Peyton for the the news about all these crazy events that have been happening.
2: Good evening. I got to tell you there's a lot in here. First, we have iPhones being bricked by being set to 1970. Uh, we have hackers holding Hollywood hospitals for ransom. That in- that's just insane. My se- uh, you know. mm. uh, we have Apple responding to an order to weaken or break encryption or create a backdoor for the San Bernardino Shooters phone. And last but definitely not least, we have the GLibC bug. And boy, is this one a doozy. I mean, mm. wow. It looks like Google has uh, chimed in as well with Apple. And uh, they are they're agreeing with them so we'll get to that in the discussion but it's it's this has been a crazy week already Mm
0: -hmm. yeah it's 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 been madness so first off earlier this week jathan had a bit of a meltdown i mean it's nothing's really new with that because he's kind of raging every day (laughs) (laughs) and uh I guess pa- I guess Peyton has a mechanical keyboard too. <laughs>
2: I guess Peyton does.
0: <laughs> um, Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. I have one too. Um, so where was I? Right. It, so Jathan was was freaking out because he's like blah blah blah. Now I got to run over the DC and and I was like, dude, don't your boxes have have it me? or IPMI or or like Drac or something, some kind of remote hardware level access? Uh, and he was like, yeah, but it's broken. And I'm like fix it and then i got the idea like I, I wonder how many people out there don't know about it me and drac and and there's some other ones too drac is proprietary to Dell. Uh, dell it's dell remote access card i think it me is uh i can't remember you can fucking google it i don't care we'll put it in the show notes um but it is more like general x86 platform hardware agnostic kind of a thing uh, and there are a couple others. I think HP has their own. IBM, I believe, has their own as well. They are the most handy little things. So if you've got servers in a rack somewhere, and th- I'm not talking about breast pain and calm yourself. <laughs> um, you, keep, you keep that up. I'm going to have to mute you. You're going to make me laugh. Anyways, so if you've got servers racked in a data center, and you know you need to like perform like a hard reset, like punch the power button, or... Uh, you can't access it through SSH. You know, there's like a network error or something. You can configure like an IPME network or a track or whatever where you, you bind another IP to it or VPN in. Oh, Jathan's bothering me. Way to mention the booze. You let down. All right, Jathan. Uh, I'm drinking PBR. Oh, we'll, Jesus. We'll take a we'll take a brief interruption. <laughs> I'm drinking a PBR again because that's... I have a lot of it. What are you drinking, Peyton?
2: I have uh, Pinnacle Vodka, it's from France, it's uh, quite good,
1: quite good.
0: Okay, Jathan, what are you drinking since you're up our ass about it?
1: I, I'm not up your ass about it, we just, we just haven't done this in a while. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, we haven't. I'm actually drinking a homebrew tonight, I'm drinking an amber, amber ale that I made a couple months ago.
0: Is that why you wanted to talk about what we were drinking? No!
1: Oh, Jesus. Is it? Is, no. is it? No, nope, Nope. I it? would have rather had a Miller Lite tonight. But as it turns this, out, wait, wait, wait. there's none in the fridge. Was this the? Was this your uh, your berry berry? No, this is just an amber ale. Oh, okay,
0: all right. Yeah, so I guess Jathan learned a hard lesson about do-it-yourself brewing. Where was I? Right, hit me track. So, you have these these basically they're like cards, but they interface with the actual motherboard. Uh, this is an oversimplification, but they interface with the motherboard in, in like a hardware level kind of a way. They have their own integrated NIC on the card. So you can set them up on, like, a VLAN and then VPN into that VLAN. I wouldn't recommend leaving them public because that's fucking stupid. It's basically giving hardware-level access to the internet, which is not a good idea. So VLAN it off, VPN into the, the ME or DRAC or whatever uh, VLAN network. It lets you control hardware-level aspects of these machines, and a lot of them even have, like, a... a sort of like a graphical interface to the machine. So you can see what's happening on on like the console level as if you were sitting in front of the machine. Really cool. I hope all of you know about these already. If you don't, look into it. I'll post some handy tools to use on Linux and stuff like that. A lot of the Drek cards have integrated like web portals in them too. So it's it's a really fantastic piece of technology. I, I don't know how people got by without them in the pet. Pa- I mean, I do know they would have to get up and walk over to the data center and, and put on a coat. Cause it's always freezing. And yeah. So obviously you can't do like hard drive replacements with these and everything, but uh, it's really handy for for like soft locks and kernel panics and things like that.
1: Did, did either of you uh, have anything to say about that? Well, I just like to add, so where I work, we have two clusters and one cluster has the capability IPMI. The other does not. Fortunately, the one that does not... One, it's a lot older, and it was sort of built on a budget, I believe, so uh, that's probably why it's lacking. But fortunately, that one is actually in the basement in the building I physically work in, so it's not as large a deal. The other one is down-the-road-aways. Well, you
0: you do still have ap- uh, options there, too. You can use, like, a KVM switch, like an ether- uh, IP KVM switch. They're
1: pricier, but I think you can also get standalone ITMI cards. You definitely can. Yeah. I, I mean, at this point... This particular clustering question, I'm not really sure how long it's going to be around oh, yeah. or so not, it's, so it's, it's kind of like investing money in it at this point is silly, but... Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Okay. Anyways, uh, if you're ordering new hardware, make sure it's got IMI capabilities. I prefer me over DRAC, personally, uh, and all the other uh, proprietary ones, because it means There's a lot of clients you can use for it, and it's, you know, it's kind of open in that sense. I, I, I don't know if it's that, at, like, a fully open thing, but... It's more, uh, it's more standardized, I would say. So go with HitMe if you can. Um, that's all I wanted to mention about that. You know, I'll I'll put links about like it Me tool and some other tools you can use. Uh, other clients. Well,
2: you know, obviously we have to deal with people who buy the things, and it's it's a, an argument that you have to make with, uh, you know, purchasing this. You know, they say, "What do we need this for?" Well. You know, there's very, very good reasons. Like you said, it's, it gives you the ability to remotely handle shutdowns, remotely handle, you know, hardware issues. Exactly. And if it, you, you know, you really need to be able to stress the, to the people who make who purchase. Hey, this is important. We need this. I can't always have access to the data center when I need to. What have you? There's there's reasons why, whether it be floods, whether it be mm. snow, rain. You know. Yeah, you
0: can you can translate into traffic, direct cost. car broke down. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah, if if it's like inclement weather or something, you don't need to physically be at the data center. You can VPN in like I said. You can save a lot of time. You don't have to leave, leave your desk, you know. A, every second you're away from your desk is technically loss of money for your role. You know, it, it's loss of it's loss of your role's fulfillment. So you can multitask while you're at your desk and at the same time handle that that issue. So it's very handy, uh, very cost effective. I'm sure it pays for itself if you're one of those five nine companies. Yeah, I don't know. I'm done talking about this. <laughs>
1: yeah, there's not much, not much to really say. Yeah, yeah they're just and, really, and you know, really if, cool. If it comes down to money in an environment, um, you know, maybe you have to pick which machines have it and which don't. Well, on that day when there's two feet of snow and nobody's going into work, which boxes do you want to have that capability and which don't you? I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and like sure. I mentioned, I'll I'll link about IPKVM stuff too because that's. Right. That's really great for adding support for like non x86 sixty four type architecture. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So if, if if for some reason you have like a Raspberry Pi wrecked, there you go. <laughs> Mac Mini. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mac Mini. Exactly. So next, I'm going to talk about Android encryption. I I'm going to link to the actual like it's not really a spec per se, but it goes into a, a fair amount of details from Google directly. And it's it's super handy. If you've ever wondered how Android does the encryption after you've already started the phone, like, why don't I need to wipe my phone to enable encryption? The, the doc lays out the process of how they do it. And it's actually really cool because it, it gives a lot of the internals as to like where it mounts things, when it does what, the boot process of it. So for you Android hackers out there, or if you're maybe working on your own Android ROM or something, definitely check this out because it's going to help you a whole lot. I'll link to that in the show notes, like I said. I, I found that when I was, uh, I think I was debugging a, a CyanogenMod issue, and it, it's been immensely helpful in understanding some Android system internals. So that's that. <laughs> I'm glad these are, like, really short topics, because I want a lot of time to talk about the GLibC shit. We also will post a link of 18 Cardinal Rules of System Administration for, <laughs> on itworld.com. Now it's a little bit clickbaity. I will grant that, but the, most of the advice is pretty solid. Jathan took issue with with at least one of the items. Oh my so, gosh, Jathan, why don't you talk about that? I Actually, no, you know, you know what, you know what? Let's not spoiler alert it, uh, or let's let's not spoil it. Let's let's mention what they are so people don't have to even click the thing. How's that? Whatever you want to do, man. Oh, but, bye, bye. by the way, J-Thon, another reason to use ad block is I see them all on one page instead of having to click through. So there's that. Anyways, so the first one is never do anything you can't back out of, which is great. Like, I I definitely support that. I think that's solid. <laughs> Avoid making changes on Fridays. I'm a little bit different because I telecommute and I'm salary. So I'm kind of, you know, if, if something goes wrong, I can fix it. If you're a, a nine to five, five days a week kind of system or systems engineer or whatever, or and especially deployment engineers, like if you're deploying new software, yeah, never do it on a Friday because you know something's going to happen on that weekend. This is I'd say this is about half superstition and half just practicality. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Jaython, have you pushed any changes on a, on a Friday evening and have it go haywire?
1: Um, I don't think so, no. I I've have. had things break on a Friday because they just happen to break on a Friday. That always sucks. Yeah, that,
0: I don't think that counts, though. That's that's different. That's entropy. No, I,
1: I personally don't try to do anything on a Friday. I'll always wait till Monday. Good.
0: That's good. Yeah, so I've, I've done it. It's bit me ass before, but now I'm in a position where it won't bite me in the ass, so I do it. Next is identify root causes. Um, also, so, like, really, this list is... Pretty solid. It's kind of general advice, but it's good to have them all in one list. You can make like print it out or something and post it up on your cubicle wall or whatever. Root cause identification and analysis especially is really helpful. Yeah, like you might have some file system corruptions. Like, oh okay, it's it's fixed on the next next file system check, whatever. You're gonna want to find out why that corruption occurred because there's a really good chance it's gonna happen again. You know, run bad blocks. Read only, preferably, (laughs) so you don't destroy your data. Run bad blocks. Go through the logs. I don't know if you know this, but syslog, he keeps a handy... ND message, uh, keep handy logs of, of filesystem errors. And I hope you have a syslog server set up, because otherwise you might lose those logs if you're hitting file system corruption. But that's neither here nor there. We'll, we'll maybe talk about that a, in a later episode, because that's that's a good, good topic as well. So identify your causes. Practice your disaster recovery plans. I've talked about this in the past... It's always good to to not only have a plan in place, but to make sure it works because you don't want to need it and find out it doesn't work. Never rely on a script you haven't thoroughly tested. Same kind of idea. Automate anything you have to do more than three times, anything that is complicated. I kind of go a little bit more. I'd say, I say two times. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, script whatever you can. And the reason I say, the reason I go to like two times or even just one time is it's something that has potential value that like I think might be good to have in the future that I might do in the future or even might just need to reference how to do in the future. That script is there and I can, I can see it and say, okay, that's how I did it. And it's really just good to have around. Document your work. Yeah. Not much to say about that. Pay attention to your mistakes. Learning from your mistakes is super important. Be more than a little paranoid. (laughs) If you've listened to the podcast for more than two episodes, you know this about us, (laughs) but yeah, it's, it's one of the keys to success. Be proactive. I've talked about that too. Proactive, not reactive, is, is the way to go. Pay a lot of attention to security. Kind of a repeat, but, you know, it kind of drilled you in that this is super important. Don't ignore your log files. I have a quick story. Jathan asked me the other day. Um, I found someone trying to brute force SASO login for my mail. And Jathan was like, how'd you know that? I'm like, from the log files? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Um So that's why you want to check your log files every once in a while. Go through them, audit them, uh, make sure there's nothing fishy going on. Set up log parsing and reporting if you really are kind of lazy and don't feel like checking them all the time. You know, there's some good products out there, some open source, some not. Back up everything. Yeah, I would say archive everything, back up what you might need to restore is is maybe a better way of doing that. But consider everyone's time as valuable as your own. I, I would... I'd say this is good advice but maybe take it with a grain of salt because you don't want to you don't want to be helping someone on the help desk with like an email issue if the public website is down, you know. So,
2: well, and that's why I think it's depending on how valuable your time is. I mean, you're not going to pull the, the network engineering guy to come help diagnose why a pc won't turn
0: on yeah yeah that too exactly uh but if you're like a small company like i am a lot of that internal internal support tends to fall on you so i would say prioritization plus considering everyone's time is valuable as your own is is probably learn to triage triage is is probably more important than than that um but it's, it's still very important keep your users informed we talked about this oh man i think it was the season finale for season zero the linode outage
2: yeah, we talked about it. It was then? And they did a great job of, of keeping people informed. Yeah.
0: And, and you know, the managerial types demanded more information. I think it's a bit unrealistic, no, we but... We just talked about that last episode. Last episode? Okay, yeah. thanks. I know we talked about it. I couldn't remember when. Um, yeah, so... Oh, yeah, it was... Keep them informed, yeah. But, again, prioritization is going to be important there. Like, sometimes you kind of need to ignore them to get the shit back up. Ideally, you should have a sort of concierge or go between or something between departments and the IT department.
2: Now having having had to deal with a recent a recent issue that didn't really affect a lot of our, our customers. You know, I mean there's there's a difference between saying yes we're aware and oh hey by the way there's you know and revealing every instance of the of the outage and every instance of what the problem mm-hmm. is. I mean there's a there's a fine line between yes we are aware and oh hey by the way this is the problem when we don't really know what the problem is. So I think that you should probably, you know, try to find line and say, we are aware we're working on it versus here's what we know. Here's what we think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You don't, you don't need to do your root cause. You don't need to give like root cause analysis to the customer or anything like that or client or or whatever. Um,
1: You know, the other interesting thing um, is the concept of sort of knowing what's going on before your user. So in any case, if you see, you know, Nagios is screaming at you because some service is down don't wait for someone to email you. Email them mm-hmm. first and say, hey, we noticed this is down and we're already aware of it. That's yeah. going to save you a lot of people emailing you for something you already know about. Yeah. Not to mention it just looks a lot better.
0: Yeah. So if you have a peer and you can be like, hey, can you email this customer while I handle this or vice versa? That makes such a huge difference. I'd, I'd have to definitely agree with j on that. Yep, yeah. It's a great image. It makes you look like you're really on top of your shit and you know you are if you're if you're pulling that off also like a looking glass kind of a thing like a, a status page like linode has one for instance a couple others do a lot of it's becoming more and more popular that really helps as well that lets the customers know that you know at the very least and they'll be able to see when it's up so a lot of a lot of the fear of lack of communication from your customer customer base is going to be that uncertainty like Is it up and I'm broken or is everything still broken or whatever? So like that's why they want the information. So if you can automate as much of that as possible and and give them the resources to know without needing to ask you, that's going to save you a lot of time and let you fix the actual shit that's wrong. So (laughs) this next one is Jathan's heated point. uh, (laughs) Go out of your way to be likable.
1: Now, Jathan, do you want to talk about this a little bit? Okay, first of all, I was mostly joking. I don't really want people to think that I'm a grumpy ass old man, even though I am. I am. Okay. But what I will say is where I currently work and in my position, whatever, I I share an office with the desktop support team. Mm-hmm. And so and also the layout of the room is a little silly because I'm kind of the first person in in the doorway. So when someone walks in they're looking for desktop support, inevitably they end up Talking to me, Mm -hmm. which uh, you know, of course I'm just like, Well, I I don't even do this, so I kind of just direct them to the right people, but I do try to be pretty kind about it most of the time. If I had my way though, I probably wouldn't. You'd
0: you'd be tucked off in a back corner somewhere. Um you'd be in the closet. Or
1: I would just like completely ignore them. Just like look at them like, Oh yeah, you're standing there. You wouldn't be in the closet? No, I I wouldn't be in the closet. (laughs) Although funny story for you. um, (laughs) Okay. They're adding a new wing onto the building where I work, and our office is right on the end of the building, so they're going to be tearing down our office, basically. My new office is a closet. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Okay, uh, but at least
0: you, you won't have to deal with that issue anymore. Well, I think I think everyone's going to be in the same closet. Well, all right, so...
2: <laughs> oh, oh, boy.
0: <laughs> Sounds like fun. I, I do have something to say about this. Being likable is important to success, whether we like it or not. A lot of the time... We see our users as the enemy, and I'm I'm guilty of this too. I'll I'll freely admit it. You know, I I it's like oh stupid users. I think all of us suffer that attitude at least once and once or twice, and it's it really is detrimental to our department. But at the same time, it's it's kind of like a natural human reaction because we're trying to get stuff done, asking us kind of stuff that's not really in scope for us all the time, things like that. So it it's it's a sticky situation to be in, and it's kind of what we signed up for. But I guess if you want if you want to be like counterculture or whatever about it, consider it basic social engineering. Your department is not going to get the funding it needs for new hardware or whatever. You are not going to get even you personally are not going to get the raises that you should be getting for hard work you put in, all sorts of that stuff unless you learn how to be likable right yeah, so so, I mean, yeah, think of it as social engineering if you really need to, but it, it's a little bit more substantial than that.
2: Well, the thing that I that I think about that is, is you know, I'm a big Stargate fan, and obviously we've all, we all know who Rodney McKay is, you know, Dr. Rodney McKay, and he's un- unapproachable, and he's he's an ass, and, you know, he treats people terribly, and it's like, wait a minute, you know, he has little to no respect in the community, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a giant jackass to everyone, do you really want to be that guy? Like, yes, we know that you are probably the go-to on mm-hmm. this. But at the same time, you know, you, we, I should say, need to be the kind of people that, you know, someone can come to us and say, hey, I know this isn't really your, your, the issue you're working on right now, but we have an issue with Mm this. And uh, I'm just letting you know, obviously the users don't know if we're aware of it
1: all the time. That's what, you know, communication Mm -hmm. comes down to. But
2: again, being approachable and being likable is more important than I'm busy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for me, where I work is in academia and. I'm surrounded by people with PhDs, and honestly, sometimes they seem like the dumbest people in the world, and I don't mean that to be offensive, but...
0: Just, like, well, in terms of,
1: like, people, human interaction. Well, not only that, but they're, they're like, biologists and chemists, and they're mm-hmm. trying to, to sort of transform their research to utilize the compute clusters and stuff like that, and it's just completely out of their realm, and so... Yeah. Uh, what I would like to be more of my job, honestly, because I like doing it, I enjoy it, is is education. I mean, I love sitting down with someone one-on-one or maybe even a few people in a room and talking about the cluster and how to use it and how to submit jobs. And if I could do more of that one, it keeps them more human to me. Like, yes, mm-hmm. you have a PhD, but I'm good at things too. But also it's just a fun thing for me to do. I like to interact with them. I like to get away from my desk and have that opportunity.
0: Yeah. Which is part of the reason why Jathan refuses to fix it at me because he likes leaving his
1: desk. <laughs> I do. Oh. I like when I get the chance to walk down the stairs. Or yeah, that wasn't you know. a
0: joke. He that, that is actually what he says. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's, it's good to keep that in mind. I think you you kind of touched upon a really important t- idea there, where you need to keep in mind that a lot of the times, the people you're interacting with, your users, are also really smart people, and you're a smart person. But you're, in, you're you can be. It's okay to be smart in very different ways. So I think if you recognize the value in that, then you know, it's it's really going to help you along with that kind of attitude
1: adjustment. For me, personally, if I have an issue like, oh, uh, something's happening with the storage server, this particular group of people can't access their data, when I do come to a resolution and they're able to access their data again, I don't like to just send them an update that says, oh, hey, it's good to go. I like to hmm. send them an update that says, this is what happened at you know the most basic level. This is what we did to fix it we do or don't expect depending on the circumstances that you will be impacted again or whatever the case may be. I think that also adds some level of well, it, it adds to a level, you. well and also some transparency. Yeah. Um, you know, at that point you're not just grasping at straws. They know that you've identified the issue. They know that you've actually fixed what is wrong. Yeah.
0: And, so I'd say this ties in a lot with the, uh, with the communication point. All right, I'm going to move on. Yeah. Uh, never stop picking up new skills definitely important. You know, do a lot of personal projects, a lot of uh like if you've never set up your own postfix and dovecot server, do it. I don't I don't even care if you never plan to use it. Do it cuz it's it's a really good good uh hands-on DIY project um that'll teach you a lot. You know, stuff like that stuff you would normally not use and may not see the point of currently in, you know, your your day job, quote unquote. But Turns out, down the road, a lot of those skills do become transferable, you know. So it's it's definitely handy to to have stuff like that under your belt, and you know, it's always nice to pad the resume, of course. And
2: uh, yeah, coming from someone who's actually who's actually done that, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's definitely very nice to be able to say, oh yeah, I've, I've built my own web server or mail server. Yep, I'm running this, and oh yeah, it works. Here, look, here's
0: proof. Yep. you know. Yep. And last one, Seek a Balanced Life. Yeah, I I definitely would agree with that. Uh, Hayden, unfortunately, wasn't with us for the the show's pilot episode, S0E0, where we had just horrid, horrid quality. But yeah, people were were not... They had a lot of input about that episode's quality. (laughs) But yeah, like, Jathan and I talk about the the different hobbies we have other than tech stuff. So balanced life is definitely important. I, I think your family... Definitely should always come first. Make sure you have non-work related things, and we we mentioned this also in the, uh, the episode where we got advice from uh, infosec people on Twitter. Someone mentioned, yes, yeah, really yeah, so, someone mentioned that then as well, and I think it's pretty solid advice. You know, don't let work consume you, even though it may be incredibly fun. So yeah, I, I am um, sorry, what I saying? actually
1: uh, have been sort of. I've been getting sucked into work. I'm obviously still finishing up my degree. I'll graduate in May, but Mm. I spend a lot of time working at work. I spend a lot of time working on work at home that I can't really get paid for at this point. Mm -hmm. And uh, I finally decided that I needed to take a break from that. So I'm taking a pottery class.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's that's a great example of putting those. That's it. Yeah, that's an awesome idea. For sure. By the way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we might want to scrub that. <laughs> Aaron? He'll just put, like, a long bleep in there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, it sounds like Jason's doing what he normally does. <laughs>
0: Pretty much. All right, so we talked about that. Now for the fun stuff. Actually, I don't know. Do we do we want to talk about any of the other news before we talk about GLibC?
2: Well, I wanted to bring up a, a real quick anecdote about automating things. Yeah. So... I uh, this is third hand, and I heard about this. This guy had been working at this company for ages and ages and ages, and he had set up scripts to text his wife when he was leaving. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen that. To, making To send the rounds. an SMS, yeah. uh, you know, he had set up scripts to to text his wife when he was, you know, about X Y excuse, mm-hmm. you know, I can't I can't home come home just yet or you know whatever and, and cron yeah. you talk about right he did a, he had a cron job so you know if he hadn't left at a certain time then it would send a text you know hey I'm, I'm away or I'll be late or whatever and so the, the, the point I mean it goes back to the you know number seven I guess uh, automate anything you have to do uh, you know sometimes automate the things that will improve your mm-hmm. life you know if you've got someone who demands consistent communication automate that SMS, yeah. you know by all means I mean you know make make your life simpler you know that's,
1: that's like a uh, literal life hacking right there. Yeah. What do you think is the best script you've ever written that has saved you the most time?
0: I, I feel like I need to break that down into different sections. Like I've had some scripts that didn't save me all that time, but are maybe more valuable because of how often and how much they're utilized. In that case, I would say like setting up a a, a dynamic DNS to my own domain, like a script that does that. That was probably that was definitely uh, really really useful, Um, and I use that a lot. If if not only to check my own check my home IP to see if it's changed if I'm remote or something like that. I don't know. I think my shining glory really is B Disc because it's it's like I've rolled my own live CD at this point, and it's super customizable, so I can apply it in a lot of different situations, and that saved me a lot of time. Yeah, I'd I'd say that's it for me.
2: I've got a pretty nice backup script, and then I also, when I was using i3 regularly, mm-hmm. I I had a really nice script. It was home or work, and so I typed that in the in the terminal, and it would it would either have my screen set up so that I had the dual display, or for work, obviously, Or if I typed home, then it would just go back down to the one mm-hmm. display, and that was those were pretty nice. Uh,
1: yeah. yeah. What about you, Jathan? On a larger scale, I wrote a pretty sweet backup script that I'm really proud of. Since I've written it, there has not been a single backup that has been missed. And every time we add new ones, I I cringe that something may go wrong, but I had tested it a whole lot, and sure enough, it's still going. Fair enough. Um, that's yeah. Awesome. But personally, I kind of have a, a little pain thing going. So when I go in in the morning, there's just a script I run that opens up all my tabs for the day, both in Firefox. And in GNOME terminal, like mm-hmm. basically a shell session to every box that I think I usually use during the course of a day. Yeah, and you know, I, in all honesty, that's that's a huge thing. Really, mm.
2: I might have to poke you for that uh, so I can get something similar.
0: Sorry. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I, I did want to briefly touch on the Apple thing. Of course, we'll post links to their official response, but it's it's cool. I was I was a little bit surprised by it. They advocated for not breaking the encryption on the phone or or not facilitating it. It was a little bit surprising given Apple's stance on open source and how they will use a lot of it, but not necessarily open source their own stuff, things like that. I think the last thing they open source, someone fact-checked me, but I I think the last thing they actually open sourced was CUPS.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's CUPS too. Yeah. And And that was a long ass time ago. That was a long ass time ago.
0: So uh, I think there was a project they recently open sourced. Not sure, I'd have to check they're they're not known for being very recontributory <laughs> back to the open source world. <laughs> you know, so I, I found their stance on this whole phone encryption debacle pretty interesting, pretty cool of them. You know, as much as I love to hate Mac or Apple, you know, I, I think they made the, a good choice here and and definitely took the right stand. So kudos Apple did something right for once. I can't remember if Peyton mentioned it for the ransom for the hotel, the hospital. It was only 17k in Bitcoin. Bitcoin, of course. That's not 17k Bitcoin. That's 17k like USD, but in bitcoins. I forget the exact number. Only 17k, which is pretty small for a ransom from a hospital. But whatever. I guess if you need money, you're. A little bit desperate for any kind of number, but the hospital paid it. That's a horrible idea, and this is also why you keep backups. So it's ransom. They attack them with ransomware, with, which basically encrypts all the files. They hold the key. You need to pay them a certain amount of money to get the key to unencrypt un- or decrypt all those files. And the hospital paid it. There's there, there's two problems I have with this. Before before whoever that was <laughs> interjects. Number one, if you pay them, that shows that you're a weak target. It shows that you are uh, a target that can be attacked and you that you'll comply with their demands. That's why for the longest time, you know, the U.S. does not, uh, uh, what's the phrasing, uh, negotiate with terrorists. Yeah, the U.S. does not negotiate with terrorists. That's why. That's exactly why. Because you're, you're seen as a weak target at that point. And once that integrity is sort of compromised, it's really hard to get that respect back. And secondly, oh, man. This is why you keep backups. If they had a full backup and like they should have, and and it was properly segregated, this is why you air gap your backups, folks. If it was properly segregated, they would have no reason to pay that ransom. They could just restore from backup. They could say, Fuck you guys, we're doing our own thing. Um we don't need to give you any money. You're pieces of garbage. We're gonna do our thing. So that's that's what I always say about that.
2: Well, it's it's worse than that, mm. I just looked it up. Uh, it was a police department in uh, April of 2015 in the Tewksbury, Mass. Police department. They got taken over by CryptoLocker, mm-hmm. and they and they paid it. Yeah, I heard about that Again, too. Yeah, it was it was the second time. Yeah. you know, and, and sure, it's not 17k or you know several million dollars like the the hospital hackers were were originally mm-hmm. asking for. But that's still you're still saying, you know what? I'm going to give you this money because you did this. I'm going to do it because I have to, not because I mm-hmm. want to. You're still, like you said, you're you're still reducing your stance on this, and now, oh, we'll pay every time, yeah. then you know we'll, we'll yep. bump it up, we'll make it you know, five thousand instead of yep. five hundred.
0: Yep, exactly.
2: Fifty fifty thousand, you know, when does it stop? Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, yeah, backups, air gap, you know, be smart. Don't open freaking letters, uh, emails. You don't know what they are they're from. <laughs> right,
0: right. You know? Exactly,
2: I, I had a sergeant when I was in the Marine Corps. The I love you virus. Was oh man, around. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. It was an email. If you clicked the email, you were infected. Mm-hmm. Well, they sent out a big thing: do not open the I love you virus. And she got an email that said I love you, and she opened it up and compromised our entire network. You know, the biggest the biggest prevention of security, in my opinion, is yeah. people.
0: Yeah, I mean it. It sounds like going back to the the gruffled Sisyphean kind of trope, but. It makes us sound kind of like assholes, but really the weakest point in your security infrastructure is going to be the people 99% of the time, you know, like you could have like a security implementation by a guy who just doesn't give a shit. So like, all right, like SSH is open with a password of password, you know? So like, yes, th- there are some cases, but like most of the time it's going to be the actual people, which is why social engineering attacks and, and phishing attacks and such are so dang effective. That's, that's been the absolute majority of, of all the compromises we've we've highlighted on our show more than 90% of them have been due to social engineering so teacher teacher users how to how to act well
2: you know we make fun of hackers for being fairly off key when it comes to actual hacking mm-hmm. but in my opinion one of the things they got correct was the social engineering you know the guy walking down delivering a pizza is looking over looking at, key, at passwords mm-hmm. you know as they're being typed in yep um sneakers did this really well they had, they had a lot of social engineering in there and it, absolutely uh you know i mean having training in security is not just okay this is your badge this is your fob this is your password. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's is the guy calling me right now, trying to engineer his way past so that he can get some information from me. Is this email that I'm opening from a Nigerian prince, is he really going to give me $5 million?
0: Yeah. If it you know, sounds too good education. to be true, it probably is. I may make some enemies in the corporate world by saying, I, who are we kidding? Of course, I've, I've already done that.
1: <laughs> yeah. but This is not the first time. Yeah.
0: Uh But really the best way to prevent the, these kind of attacks is to, to train your users how to do them. Um, you know, there's, there's kind of a, a stigma against teaching people how to perform attacks because it's like, Oh, then anybody can attack us. Well, yeah, that's, that's the point. <laughs> they're that easy. So you need to know how easy they are to prevent them. You know, you need to understand, okay, like I, I get what they're trying to do because I've, had experience with this. I practiced this in, in like a training class or something, you know? So if you teach your users how to do a social engineering tag, show them how easy it is, they'll see, okay, this is what it kind of looks like when it's done. These are the, the red flags I need to look for. Instant boost in security. Instant. And I mean, not not even a nominal amount. We're talking a substantial amount of increase in security just yeah. from that.
1: And on the flip side of that, if you're a user and you think that something fishy is going on, ask someone. Yeah. Ask your administrator, ask a friend even who, you know, is maybe a little bit more savvy than you, whatever the case might be, get a second opinion. And, you know, if you ask someone else who maybe isn't the administrator and they say, yeah, this looks a little weird. Okay. At that point, you know, it's time to escalate that and bring it to somebody's attention.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know I'll fully admit this. If if any like developers or, you know, accountants or whatever, I, I don't know who listens to this fucking show, but if you're listening and you're not part of it. Let me, let me explain some of our, our MO, you know, our modus operandi. So we may be gruff and we may seem super unapproachable at times. And it's true. You know, we, we are very grumpy people because we're frequently get, you know, we get calls at like 3am because the server's down, stuff like that. Uh, Our job is a lot harder than it looks, I promise. You need to look past that grumpiness and you need to say, hey, is this okay? I would rather take the time and explain that like, oh, that's fine. You know, you that you can, you can open that or, or you can, uh, you know, that looks pretty legit to me, you know, or, or like if it looks a little bit fishy, let me check the headers, let me check the mail logs, stuff like that. But tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us. It's so wonderful when a user can have the foresight to be like, hey, this doesn't seem right. And, and more often than not, as grumpy as we are, we'll be like, we'll be really happy about it. We may not show it necessarily, but give us maybe some time to ponder about that. And it's true, like, and to the system is and the system engineers and all that, the security engineers. If you're so naive that you get bothered by users bringing what you consider inane issues to your attention, like this, like, hey, is it safe to open this email? If you're so naive to worry about that and get annoyed by that, you have a surprise coming because it's infinitely better to get. Five hundred requests or or tickets like that a day, than to get one that gets through. One that's all it takes. Just one. So think about that. Think about it as like a risk rewards kind of a thing. Yeah, it's it's part of your busy day, whatever. But you know what? You're doing your job. Keep yeah, and mind. you
1: know what? The more you brush people off for seemingly small things, if that's the case, the less that they're going to come to you with anything.
0: Yeah. They have, they have no way of scaling it in their mind. To them, uh, a tower that became unplugged is the, the same amount of, of issue as, as a fishy looking email. They, they have no sense of scaling and proportion there. We do, but they don't. So keep that in mind, please.
2: And this goes back to being yeah. approachable. Yeah, for you sure. Know? Yeah. You can be gruff all you want, but if someone comes and says, hey, I got this email. Can you look at it? You should be able to say, give me yeah. a minute.
0: Absolutely. Yeah and thank I, you know, them I've yeah. got a fire
2: to put out hold on to it don't open it don't click it I'll yeah be right there and you
0: know yeah and minutes, thank them always the thank them because that's there yeah, you absolutely. know what happens every time they do that they're saving your job they are saving your job because it's your ass on the line if you get fucking compromised you i know it you know it so like y- you need to to realize that that's super important it's so important I, I get super happy when people when people ask me to look into stuff like that because it shows that they're thinking about it. And that's that's more than you can ask for a user. It, it, it's what you should hope for a user. But it's it's it shows that they're thinking about it. And that's really good to keep in mind.
1: And the other thing is, if they do trust you enough to ask you, or whatever the case may be, and you do choose to invest the time, which you should, mm-hmm. into helping them, looking at it, whatever it may be, if you don't truly know the answer, don't give them a bullshit answer, but take the time to figure it out, too. Yeah. Actually, and that goes with anything, really.
0: That's that's a perfect segue into our into our big topic for this episode. So, the, the GLibC vulnerability. So, it was discovered... Get this, it was discovered by an engineer at Google trying to SSH to uh, some host and getting a SIG fault every time. Normally, our first reaction is like, just fucking reinstall SSH or reinstall, I don't know, some net libraries or reinstall the whole box, whatever. Reinstall the OS, your your box's host, whatever. Turns out this wasn't the case. And this is a great example of why you should always look into this kind of stuff, because this is how this vulnerability was discovered. You know, they, they ssh to a host got a seg fault. Turns out Google traced it all the way back. There's a bug in glibc that handles the addressing. So I I don't know the the deep down specifics of it, but basically when it tries to make a uh, a request to both a IPv4 and IPv6, you know A AA and AAAA record at the same time, there's some rare occasions where that can just straight up cause a segfault. fault and not just a segfault. fault, but right. but an overflow. Yeah and which that's means, where your issue really comes in. Yeah, which means arbitrary code arbitrary code execution from the remote host. And this is this is and dns it's as the
1: user on the remote host too. Yeah. It's as the the user that's running um well whatever library on the remote host. Oh, I didn't I didn't see that. Yeah, hold on, I'll see well, if I can
2: find. According to their according to their blog, I mean they are saying that remote code execution is possible. Mm. Um, but not straightforward. There are some things you have to do it's not you know it's not an instant instant on but
0: I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, speaking of the red Hat release though they and of course I'll, I'll provide all these links I'm talking about. They've got their own TVs for it and everything. So one of the interesting things about it is Google probably not wanting to worry people and put them into a panic is like you know it's it's pretty difficult but it's still pretty important. Um, the red Hat bug. Uh, and everything, tell kind of a different story. They they say it's it's actually not as hard to do as we thought it was, to, to do that remote code execution. And, you know, with a little bit of finagling and a pretty good hacker could easily pull it off. And, you know, once once that's out there, once that exploit's sold or, or publicized or whatever, it's game over. So by the time you're listening to this, which releases on the night of the 28th, uh, I hope your shit's patched because... It's a lot serious than it's been made out to be, I think. Uh, it's basically the return of Ghost. Do you remember when we talked about Ghost on the show? It's like that. Last season. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. It's like that, but worse. <laughs> because now it's not limited to a limited number of services, it's everything that uses name server lookup or DNS yeah, and lookup.
1: It's. Also seems like it covers a larger range of versions of this library.
0: Yeah, it covers uh, glibc versions 2.9 through uh, 2. Is that 2.22? I thought it was 2.12. No, 2.22. So it's fixed in 2.23. There are fixes backported to like RHEL and CentOS and Arch has one. Um, I'm sure all the other ones have have fixes uh, pushed now that are backported. You know, update them. A S A P. Make sure you reboot because it's glibc, so you have to right. reboot.
1: Yeah, you know the other thing that's interesting is um, <laughs> what we were talking about before the show a little bit is on the Red Hat release that we'll post in the show notes. Mm. It actually says that the affected products are only RHEL seven. It looks like
0: I think that's just because that's their current release. Uh, I don't. I don't. In other words, I, I'm not sure if the Red Hat security announcements uh, cover previous releases that are still supported, but not current, you know? I I don't think they do that. But if you look at the list, it's every single current version of Red Hat. Yeah, exactly. So that should tell you enough. Um,
1: So make sure you run the the little code snippet that will tell you if your Mm -hmm. exploit is... Or if the exploit is applicable to your system or not, don't just rely on that list.
0: Yeah, because the, the list is, is a little bit unclear. It's definitely the bug itself, you know, the, the bits of code, go back to GLibC 2.9, which is before CentOS 6. You know, <laughs> I, CentOS 6.5, I think, has 2.12. So, yeah, I, you need a, you need to patch. Tomorrow. Or tonight.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're listening 8-7. to this by the time it's out, you should have done it yes, like, yeah. a week ago. Yeah, exactly. At
0: least. Hopefully everybody's patched. Even more worrying, though, is this was known since June or July—I forget June or July last year. Um, so they've been kind of kind of sitting on this bug for a while and not really doing anything about it. And then it hit the news, and all of a sudden you see like a new a, a flurry of new activity on the on the bug ticket. It's great. That's yeah. I mean, I guess if that's what it takes for Google to to publicize the, this bug, this vulnerability in your code, for you to get some fucking action done on it then by all means i'm i'm fully okay with that gmail and their web interface has implemented a padlock icon and like a some other features that visually let you know how the email was delivered to them from mta to mta you may not see it because it's tls transport if it's not tls transport and this is what i was getting at you'll see an open red padlock i i did find that a lot of A lot of them tend to be false flags. It seems that Gmail isn't honoring start TLS properly. The problem is there isn't really one standard for encrypting mail transport. You can't force TLS, which I'm sure would would get rid of that lock icon, because then you break interoperability with all the MTAs out there that don't implement encryption. And a lot of them don't. Still. It's 2016. Get Get off your lazy asses and do that. I need to look into it a little bit more, do some testing, but it seems that that's... I I think it's start TLS that's causing the issue. So if you use postfix and has like a whatever it's called SMTP TLS encryption equals may or something, that's basically start TLS. Turns out that doesn't work, at least in my experiences. I've I've tested it across uh, three different postfix boxes now, and you know three different domains, and still not working. So I'll need to look into that more. I have mixed feelings about that. It's nice that Gmail is alerting users and that the transport of the mail was encrypted. But at the same time, the average user doesn't really care. and I hear someone typing like mad. <laughs> um, so the average user doesn't really care. And it's kind of poorly into- implemented because there's no real one standard for doing this. They can't really pick a standard and make that the standard. You know, They can't kind of force that and, and say like, okay, everybody has to do it the way we want it done. That's not how email works. That's not how it worked in in ages. So I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. it oh, it also alerts if there's no SPF or DKIM implemented. Um, it's a different a different logo. I think it has a question mark over the person's face in the thread. Yeah, it's nice that they're doing that, but I I maybe have to question why they're doing it. So I don't know. You know, there's.
2: They probably have a good reason for it. Honestly. Uh, we'll yeah, I,
0: I mean, I can't. Probably. They so they they talked about implementing it. I think they just finally implemented it in practice, like a day or two ago. But they talked. They announced it on February 9th, which was apparently Internet Safety Day, or use the oh, Internet Safer Day, or some some shit like that. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I, really, it's a thing, but it's a thing apparently. So that's when they announced it. It's
2: apparently yeah. a thing.
0: Great, Google, can we have some fucking specs on it? Like, I want to clear that fucking open red padlock. I want to use TLS with you. Can you support start TLS maybe? Can you tell me what I need to do to make it work? Can you tell me how to not get myself flagged even though I fully support encrypted transport? It's just, it's frustrating. It's super frustrating. So with that, we're going to go to j for the, uh, the contest.
1: Right. So last episode, we announced a contest for our merchandise. And basically the deal was we we're looking for quotes from season zero, our first season. Obviously quotes of us on air, your favorite quotes to put on t-shirts, hoodies whatever we may end up getting both yeah okay so at this point we have how many submissions one one okay so we need to bump that up you guys need to go back listen to some episodes if you have a favorite that you can think of pull some quotes out and let us and... know which
0: episode they're from too please
1: yeah that's helpful because uh the first one we got we went back and listened and had a riot listening to ourselves yeah <laughs> Um, on that note, what's going to happen then is we're going to pick a winner through a vote. Is that the plan?
0: Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna narrow it down uh, to stuff that we can actually put on a t-shirt because <laughs> we say a lot of inappropriate things here that people might might not want uh, bla- emblazoned across their chests. And then put it on a vote on uh, I, I I don't know some kind of public polling service uh, and have all of our listeners vote for it. Or really, we'll announce it all on Twitter, of course. So follow Twitter if you if follow our Twitter if you weren't already. We'll announce it there, and it's up to you guys to pick what goes on the merch.
1: Yeah, and uh, of course, if you win, you will get a free t-shirt or hoodie or whatever you want. Yeah. Um, We'll also probably be coming out with stickers
0: as well, so keep an eye out for them. But I I feel like it, you know what, we'll send you a free sticker along with the t-shirt or hoodie, whichever one you want, uh, because they're stickers, they're dirt cheap. Maybe we'll send a couple, I don't know. But yeah, I'm I'm getting really excited about this, and I would love to, to get some more submissions I wanna get I want us to get flooded with submissions. So if you're listening, please do this. Get your friends to do it. Uh listen have them listen to the show with you. Make it like a a, a party. Sit around with a couple beers or whiskeys or whatever and, and listen to a bunch of our episodes from season. Oh my gosh. We should make a season. drinking game based on listening to us. <laughs> I
1: feel like we could. I did I tell you We probably definitely could.
0: Did I tell you I have I have like SysAdmin Bingo I've been working on?
1: No. We did have <laughs> cards against humanity. Yeah,
0: yeah, we need to do that. Uh maybe I'll do that for merch really- so we're going to play with Cards Against Humanity with all of y'all with, like, system administration, system engineering, stuff like that themed cards. I, I have a wiki article on it in our show notes, so check it out. It's right on the main page. You'll see it under extras, I think. So you can check out the deck. We'd love to hear any submission requests you have to add to that deck as well. But that's not an official contest. That's just if you want to see it as a card. Uh but we'll be playing that too. I think that's it. Anybody else have What is that noise? What is what noise? It sounds like stomping or clicking or something.
2: Jathan, is that you? No, it's not me.
0: Wait. You know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to I'm going to listen through. I'm going to mute everyone one by one and I'm going to see who it is, okay? It's not Jathan. Oh, it's Payton. It's you, Payton. <laughs>
1: What what I don't know. I don't what's, know. What's is going here on? A washing machine running somewhere?
0: Yeah, it sounds like a washing machine. There might
2: there's a washing machine above me. That...
0: Is is it running? I, I don't know. Uh, probably. That might be it.
1: <laughs> Could be it. It's that's <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty <laughs> so funny. so. I honestly thought yeah, it was the like heater. A, just oh, maybe on, yeah, so, it might know. be the
0: heater. So Peyton's moving soon anyway, so he'll have a, a better sound setup too. So I'm not too worried about it. I'll try and cut out um the background noise uh in post before I send it off to Aaron too. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, I think that's it. We're actually doing pretty good on time. So, this has been Ministerbia, the podcast where we just don't give a fuck. <laughs> but we really do. This is Brent. I'm Jonathan. <laughs> and I'm Peyton. <laughs> Perfect way to end it. All right. See you guys around.